This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Settling in a new city can raise lots of questions. How does the bus service work? Can I join the local library? Where do I go to get advice on renting a home? Over the next half hour, the team from Citizens Advice Bureau bring you all the latest news and information of special interest to new migrants settling in Dunedin. Welcome to Resettling in Aotearoa with Citizens Advice Bureau. Hello everyone. Here we are for the second part of our session on um, the education system in New Zealand. And we, uh, Rula, has joined us again um, to, and we've had some questions on the first session where, um, yes, some people were interested in the sort of the how much parents can be involved in each stage of our school system. So we thought we'd just start off with. Um, with talking a little bit about that, Rula, uh, and and then we'll carry on um, talking about the school system. So would you like to talk a little bit about um, how parents can be involved in early childhood first? And then, sure. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, kia ora, Anna. Kia ora, everyone. Kia ora, I'm a, uh, I work for the Ministry of Education. And uh, thank you for having me um, uh, for this second installment of uh, uh, hopefully a series of corridor uh, around education in, in New Zealand, focused here for migrant um, families. So uh, in response to that uh, question about the parents' involvement in uh, learning services. Um, so the, the everything you, you do at home with your child helps with their learning. It's important for you to know that the early learning happens everywhere and all the time. It does not stop. So parents and Fano are encouraged to take an interest and help connect learning at their child's um, early learning service uh, with what goes on at home. So they are in line. You do not, you know, uh, do stuff at the early learning and then undo them uh, at, at home, but they need to be in harmony. Uh, so um, really how much you can get involved is up to each family. The more conversation you have with the early learning center, the more you are on board and uh, align your plans around the child's uh, needs. So parents will be uh, welcome to visit uh, your, your, your child's uh, early education center to talk to teachers or preferably actively join in and share the experience. Parents will also be invited to share information about their family and culture with teachers, children and other families. Um, your child's early learning service um, should regularly talk with you about how your child is doing, uh, what their interests and abilities are, and involve you in making decisions about your child. So talking openly with, with your um, child's educators will help you uh, learn more about how the early learning service is run and helps educators and FANU and communities who are part of your child's life. Now, more importantly, I would say talk to your child at home to build their oral language. For migrant families whom their children are often bilingual, uh, maintain the home language through talking in a rich environment. So give more words, descriptive words, rather than asking them questions. Expose them to songs, cultural dancing, food, etc., to build their first language. Children with strong first language are nimble learners who will also pick up a second and third language easily. Uh, being bilingual and in the future biliterate sets the child for a journey of success 
as they have a wider understanding of the world. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so what about then at the school level, the involvement of parents? Well, it's Absolutely. Not, yeah. Sort of as your kids get older, there's less parent involvement, which is sort of natural because, you know, they're becoming more independent. But yeah, well, I, w I would say that uh, the, the parents' involvement uh, will carry on with um, schools, um, especially at the teenage um, uh, stage. So, for instance, you can um, do a very simple uh, tweaks or steps at, at home, including having a quiet time for their for them to study a quiet and designated um, space so they know that's where they go when they want to study and during that time try to minimize um, access to um, devices if possible or tv or any other distractions uh, based on your you know home circumstances um, give them attention a lot of children because they have long days at schools because of that bilingualism, they keep coding and decoding all the time. It's a very exhausting um, process for them. Give them space to offload, to talk about their days, to express their feelings, what went well with them uh, uh, at school, what did not go well, uh, and build that relationship and trust. So your, your child trusts you with details of their day, and you'll be aware of something is you know bothering them or holding them back. Another thing is, uh, as I mentioned, have that relationship specifically with your teenage um, child and be mindful and uh, uh, listening, carefully listening to any signs of bullying or harassment at, at school, which, you know, will have an impact on their mental well-being and their ability and um, uh, eagerness to go um, to school. And they can yeah. be involved, the parents, um, in other ways, can't they? Um, you know, with maybe sports teams or, um, you know, there's also parents-teacher interviews where they can get to know the Absolutely, the absolutely, teacher. absolutely. Often families in the first uh, year or so in their resettlement, as they are so overwhelmed with, yeah. um, you know, settling in, uh, they start to pick up that later on. But I, I, I see uh, often uh, parents start to volunteer as parent helpers in school trips or as coaches or managers for sport teams, as you've yeah. mentioned. And also, if you, uh, if you understand how the New Zealand schools are uh, managed, we know that they are self-governed, so the Ministry of Education does not run schools. Each school will, will be governed by a voluntary board of trustees, a BOT, who are elected every three years. So one way of uh, being involved and um, influencing how the curriculum is implemented in your child's school is by, uh, you know, standing for those elections and um, uh, being part of the uh, board of trustees. So you can actually influence some, some of those decisions. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, probably that's later on when new people arrive because you like you say there there's lots of other things going on in the first years but as um, people get yeah. more settled and more comf 
you know comfortable more confident there's there's lots of ways to be involved in the school system yeah and and have more ex- exposure about life in new zealand so they yeah. they only not only bring their own experiences and journey but also understand the yeah. wider context here so that they will be able to operate and offer um you know their expertise or um uh, skills um definitely engaging in the parent teacher interview is is paramount to yeah. understand where the child at we know that migrant families are always engaged in that process it's part of what they do almost on a daily basis in home countries so uh, they will definitely carry on what i would say is that if you if you don't speak enough um, english or you know uh, your partner doesn't speak enough english you can always ask the school for some support maybe there is a bilingual person who could uh, facilitate that process so just ask um, and don't be um uh, intimidated by, by lack of uh, English in, okay. in order to engage. Yeah. Okay, so thank you. That's um, great to have that question answered from that the listeners were interested in. Um, now, I thought we might just carry on from where we sort of left off last week when we were we talked about um, you know international versus domestic students, and then go on to talk about. Um, you know, what if people come here when they've already been in the school system? What what sort of happens? How does that work? Right. Um, uh, there are, there will be a lot of variations and surprises in our system for many um, people when they you know first arrive. So um, the school sizes in New Zealand can vary from tens, as small as you know ten students or, or more to actually um, thousands of, of students. Um, the, what we can say is that the New Zealand school students enjoy focused personal attention from teachers. So learning, as we said, involves a balance of practical and theoretical learning. Children, uh, teachers encourage students to think creatively, independently, and analytically. And I'll repeat that, creatively, independently, and ana- analytically. So you'll find that your child is not memorizing as such. They're not probably inundated with a lot of homework, but they are given specific tasks that will ensure they understand and retain that uh, information. The schools will be well equipped with uh, devices, computers, internet, and other technology. Um, They also will have a lot of room for outdoor play and sport. They usually have their own playing fields, sometimes their own swimming pools. Um, They also have a lot of cultural activities. Um, Teachers will support many different activities outside of school hours. These are called the um, uh, Education Outside the Class, EOTC. Uh, So, for example, coaching sport teams, leading drama clubs and other music uh, groups. Um, As I said, there are a lot of opportunities for education trips that allow the exposure and, you know, you know, them to explore and learn about New Zealand, uh, as we said, called uh, EOTC. that's an opportunity for the students to challenge themselves with outdoor activities. For example, like beach education, um, going to the museum, visiting the marae, etc., etc. And we encourage families. This is as important as sitting in the class, learning your math and science. It's part of the curriculum. It's part of the learning experience uh, to be exposed to that uh, education outside of the class. Yeah. Okay, and 
discipline, which I don't really like that word, but, you know, <laughs> in New Zealand schools, tell us a little bit about, you know, because it's so important that people feel safe and comfortable. Um, it would probably be good for the listeners to hear about what the rules are around disciplining children here. Yeah. So uh, before we talk about discipline in its negative uh, meaning, we, we also need to keep an, in mind that it's it's a balanced process. So there is also reward. So children are also always encouraged for their good behavior yeah. and they are supported to actually resemble that and align themselves with the school's values, which most of the time are around respect and being kind and having integrity and um, uh, you know, relating to others. So that's that. These are all key competencies uh, uh, dictating what values the school will have, and these are, you know, community uh, values. So there is always reward. But when we also talk about discipline in schools, um, you know, uh, you know, children will be made to feel uh, comfortable and safe at schools in New Zealand, and I'll talk more into that. So it is illegal in New Zealand for anyone to use physical force or to discipline a child. So a teacher may not use force in any situation. Physical discipline of children like smacking, canning or um, strapping, they, these are all not allowed. And parents often will ask, so how would you discipline a child? Of course, there are many other ways <clears throat> without inflicting a physical or mental harm on the child. This might be uh, taking away some of their privileges, you know, so that no uses your iPad or, um, you know, maybe cannot mingle with other students during the break time um, and so on and so forth. So, so there are other ways that does not include physical um, uh, disciplining. Schools are leaning to, well, you know, it's changed a lot in the last 40 years or whatever, but this, um, what is it? positive behavioural learning. So they're, 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 they're talking and trying to figure out more now what's going on for children that are playing up, aren't they, for students that might, in, in figuring out what's actually going on for them. Absolutely. And there is a lot of uh, training for schools. So I could mention the PB4L, the positive, yeah. uh, positive behavior for learning. It's a school-wide, you know, um, initiative. Schools are aware of it and they use those um, principles. So definitely we are moving away from, um, you know, physical disciplining. And it's, yeah. it's not legal. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. And that includes verbally. You know, oh, children too. Absolutely. You cannot, uh, you know, use any uh, um, harmful um, terms that uh, will, um, you know, make the, the child feel ashamed or, um, you know, uh, put them down and so on. This is, a, 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 you know, adverse to the purpose of uh, growing uh, and, uh, uh, you know, having a th thriving and learning and, uh, you know, uh, positive yeah. uh, learning environment. Yeah. Yeah. So um, th there's three types of schools in New Zealand, isn't there? State schools, state integrated, and private. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah. Most people will be aware of uh, two types either the state governmental ones and the private ones. So uh, in New Zealand, we have three. So the state and private, and we also have something in between. Uh, the state schools are owned and funded by the uh, government. Um, and the 
there is also the state integrated um, schools. Uh, these are government funded, but they also have um, a special character, either philosophical or religious. And they also charge uh, compulsory fees to contribute to maintaining that special character of the school. And also most of them would keep the uh, class size quite small. Uh, and then we also have the private schools that charge uh, fees for a term or for a year. Um, and you have the you know, um, choice to either go to a state school, in state integrated or a private uh, school. Yeah. And there's also homeschooling, and, uh, which of is course, an option. Th that's also another option. You don't want to talk anything about that? Or? Um, for for the sake of time, I would like to, yeah. Um, well, it is also an option, and uh, it's also a very regulated process, so the parents would need to apply for the Ministry of Education and demonstrate that they have a, a learning plan for that child and yeah. the rationale and the reasoning behind um, why they don't want them to be in the uh you know, a structured in environment. I mean, you still offer a structured learning process at home, but it, it is different from what you see in, in schools. And there are different reasoning and rationale yeah. behind that. Yeah, it's a, I, it's a case by case. Yeah, and I guess you've got to be really mindful of the social aspect if you're going to go down that path too, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And also the, the parents' capacity to do so. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's yeah. not easy. And so school hours, usually 9 or 8.30 to 9, ends at 3 or 3.30. Yeah. I would say check first with your yeah. um, school, especially if you are moving from one school to another or if you move from, from private to intermediate and, and um, uh, secondary uh, space because those starting uh, times in the morning and concluding in the evening will vary from one school to another. Yeah. Um, however, it is uh, primarily within the bulk of nine to three. Some schools will start a little bit earlier. Others will also um, uh, stay up to until 3.30, uh, depending on what they are offering the students during that day. Yeah. Um, also, uh, talking about the school calendar, uh, the school year will start in late January, early February. There are four terms in a year. It's also a new for a lot of families who come from um, a context where we only have two terms, two school oh, yeah. terms. So we have four instead. Each is 10 weeks on average with a two week break between uh, each term. And then we have the summer uh, break, which is the biggest break of six weeks um, at the end of the year mainly in December and January. Okay, um, you can look at the Ministry of Education page to see the school terms and holidays. Yeah. Just, yeah, look it up. Yeah. Okay, I think, well, the last thing for today, because um, we're coming to the end of our program timing again, but do you want to talk a little bit about NCEA? Um, or, well, the curriculum, I guess, first, but then NCEA, that's the qualification for secondary schools? Sure. We have two um, curriculums. The national curriculum includes the New Zealand curriculum, which is intended for the English medium uh, schools. And then we have the 
Marotonga o Aturoa, which is for schools that teaches in Te Reo Māori. Um, the aim of the curriculum is to create young people who are confident, connected, actively involved, lifelong learners, as we've mentioned in the previous um, session. But um, and it, it, as, as we also mentioned in the previous session, it includes the, the five key competencies to help children to uh, do well in, in life. These are, again, thinking, using language, symbols and texts, and managing self and relating to others, uh, and partic part participating and, and contributing. Um, those five com competencies are developed across the school life and interwoven into the eight key learning areas which families get to know. So what do your children learn at school? English, <clears throat> the arts, um, health and physical education, uh, languages, mathematics and statistics, science, social sciences and technology. Now, there is also an ongoing work to introduce New Zealand histories as part of the curriculum and uh, former refugees and migrants can contribute and be part of that through working with their um, schools. Um, it's so important also for the families to know that they will receive reports at, at least twice a year about how well your child is doing at school. Uh, and there is also an opportunity to discuss their progress in regular meet the teacher um, sessions and we encourage families to engage in that process. Okay. Um, what about NCEA, which is the main national qualification for secondary school students here? Yes. So um, the National Certificate of uh, Education Achievement is recognised by employers and used by uh, many for selection uh, and entry into universities and polytechnics. And it's also uh, acknowledged overseas. So it's both local and overseas. Uh, the courses are designed to, so any tasks performed by the students build their learning and also contribute towards providing evidence of achievement of standards throughout the year. So schools use a range of internal and external assessments to measure how well the students meet those standards. And um, some schools also uh, offer the Cambridge International Exams, the International Baccalaureate IB, or an accelerated Christian education program. Uh, this space is also changing and evolving over time. What we encourage families to do is that they engage with schools when they offer NCA workshops for students and FANO. So they introduce to them how the system works and it's an opportunity to uh, understand more and ask questions. Each school will offer that, just engage with the process. Um, if you would like to know more about the NCA work, um, in uh, each year, the students will study a number of courses or subjects. They may include traditional academic subjects as well as courses that count towards other qualifications under the New Zealand Qualifications Framework, the NZQF. So that include, um, for instance, tourism or motor engineering and so on and so forth. Now, in each subject, the students are assessed through the classroom work and also exams against a number of standards. When the student achieve a number of standards, they can gain credits. And when they have achieved the required number of standards uh, and added up enough credits, they get the NCA level one, two, or three certificate. 
the higher the level, the more advanced the topics are. And um, I would say that these three NCA roughly levels, they are aligned with the last three years of high school, 11, 12, and 13. Um, each NCA level certificate can also come with you know, merit or excellent endorsements for students who perform um, especially well. There is some uh, work in this space, as I mentioned, more um, uh, changes that were introduced um, uh, recently. Uh, but my advice for families is just engage with your school and ask questions about those new changes. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Rola. I think we might have to, um, we're going to probably do a third session on this. Um, sure. to talk about a few of the things that we haven't covered yet. Um, and it's, it would be interesting to hear about, you know, um, the, the more changes that are happening within the ministry, you know, so the system's focusing more on the learner, the whānau and their culture and language. Absolutely. Um, and, and I would I invite, uh, honestly, people, once they listen to um, these uh, uh, sessions just to come back and ask questions specifically yeah. what we are doing in this space absolutely um and you can email me for questions at deneden at cab.org.nz or rula what's your email if you want to email you it's uh rula.talahma t-a-l-a-h-m-a uh, at education.govt.nz yeah okay and so and also the the www.education.govt.nz has got more information on a lot of this stuff. Um, and thank you, Jeff, again, ORFM, hosting us. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in. Um, thank you, Rula, for joining us. It's your wealth of knowledge. It's great thank to have you. you. Um, and remember, Citizens Vice Bureau Deneen is available, 4716166. Any questions about this information or any anything about anything, we're here. We can help. And we've got a website too, www.cab.org.nz. Kia ora. Thank you. Kakiti. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.